idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Yes, that's true. Having a point makes it so much more interesting for the listener. You know, I'm glad that you have a point, and that's why you're listening to KMOX. Brad Young in at your service for another hour this evening. And uh, normally I don't dive into topics in the first segment, but Maria Kina just covered, and it was on my list uh, of my stack of stuff here to cover. And so it went right to the top of the stack when Maria was talking about the interview uh, dealing with the decrease in crime in the in the uh, in the St. Louis city of St. Louis, and that's good news. I mean, I don't know of anyone who's in favor of crime, except of course the criminals, and I guess they're in favor of it. But other than that, nobody else is. Yet the question is always, what do we do about it? But let's look at some of the numbers. Some of the numbers are are pretty impressive in in a one year time frame. For example. Property crime has dropped 34% this year compared to last year. 34%. That's a huge number. We also have an 18% drop in aggravated assaults. Murders are down. Every In every measurable area, crime is down in the city of St. Louis. The question isn't that crime is down. The question is, why? Why is crime down? And we've had, I, I attribute it to two different factors. And if you disagree, I would certainly love to hear your thoughts on it. But from my perspective, we have two things to thank for this. First of all is for half of the year, uh, we had the, the stripping of power from the city of, uh, circuit attorney, Kim Gardner. And then for the last half of the year, she's been out of office. And I do attribute it to that. Because we know from those statistics of Kim Gardner that were just released uh, last week or two weeks ago, she dismissed either voluntarily or because of judges taking action, over 30,000 cases. 30,000 criminals were arrested and charged and their cases were dismissed. And they were let back on the street. So since Gabe Gore has come in as the circuit attorney... That's not happening. And because that's not happening, you've got fewer criminals who are coming back out on the street. Catch and release, I think, is the term that's used when it comes to immigration. I think that's certainly fair to use in this situation as well. So that's not happening. That's number one. The second thing that's not happening is it seems as if our mayor, Tashara Jones, has had a bit of an epiphany. And that epiphany is in the form of what she previously advocated was defunding the police. Now, there are still some members of the St. Louis City Council who are in favor of defunding the police. But even Democrats, this is not a right or a left issue, folks. This is what I've said throughout the entire tenure of Kim Gardner. It is not right versus left. It is not white versus black. We, Our culture today so wants to reduce issues that are complex into a manageable nugget of information. And it's easy to manage that nugget of information if you break everything down along easy, easily to see lines, right versus left, white versus black, men versus women. But things are far more complex than that. And so uh, when you look at Mayor Tashara Jones, 
she was a very early advocate of defunding the police. In fact, one of the very first things that she did when she was in office was choose not to fill slots where there had been some police officers who had left, either had retired or moved on to other other cities, and she chose not to refill those positions. And she was criticized for that by many, including myself, because that was a stealth version of defunding the police. Even if you're not firing them, you're in essence defunding them if you're choosing not to refill those positions. It achieves the same goal. And yet she, not too long after that, really got off of that position of defunding the police. In fact, at the height of Kim Gardner's, uh, as the, the St. Louis City Court judge once called her, a rudderless ship of chaos, at the highlight of that rudderless ship of chaos, Tashara Jones said she's lost the trust of the people. And why is that? Because the people trust in their government to protect them. And when that doesn't happen, you lose the trust of the people. In fact, I just got a texter that said, punish crime, institute significant cash bonds and prosecute criminals, build more jails and prisons if needed, money well spent. Exactly. Exactly. That's what we need to do. We need to punish crime. And what we've been doing in the city this past year is hiring more police, putting more police on the streets, and prosecuting crime. What a novel idea. Shazam! Someone commits a crime, should we punish them or should we just let them go? This is not rocket science, but the solutions are complex. And so if you heard at the very top of the hour, and we're going to take a break here in just a minute, and I know some folks are calling in, and we'll get to the calls after the break. But in one of the stories that that Maria Kina and she played some sound bites, there was a person who talked about that what's important is trust in the police. And for most citizens, this is black, white, Hispanic, it doesn't matter. Trust in the police comes from the idea that the police are going to take steps to protect me from crime. That's where, now, if you look at the racial animosity with the minorities and the police, has that been there? Absolutely. Does that still exist? Absolutely. Does it exist to the same extent? I don't believe so. I think we are seeing incremental improvement. But in that context, right now in the city of St. Louis, biggest problem isn't racial issues with the police. The biggest problem is, will the police come when I call 911? Will the police arrest the guy who's dealing crack who lives across the street from my house? Will the police come and arrest the people who are shooting at cars when they're driving by my house? That's how you build trust in the police. And that's what we are seeing in the city. And what happens when that trust in police goes up? Crime goes down. Crime goes down. And I'm glad, I'm thrilled, and I want to see it continue. What do you think about it? Why are the crime statistics in St. Louis going down? How do you attribute that improvement? And is there something that you think the city should be doing now more so to continue this trend of decreasing crime? 314-436-7900. We'll be back right after this. (laughs) 
Crime on the decline in St. Louis. True or false? Had a couple of texters during the break question whether that's uh, really happening or skewed statistics. I think it's really happening, uh, and I think there are legitimate reasons for it. What do you think? 314-436-7900. John's been holding through the break. Hey, John, welcome to Camel X. Uh, yes, sir. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, and when you first started talking about it, I thought to myself the same thing. And I think it's terrific. Uh, I really feel like St. Louis is on the cusp of a renaissance. I mean, we couldn't go down much further. And I believe in St. Louis. I believe in the policemen and emergency workers and the firemen. And I think if I can just say I have three ideas of how that crocking money should be spent. Yes. One, give it to the raise the salaries of the uh, uh, needed care of policemen, firemen, and uh, responders uh, to improve our infrastructure. We have got to fix these roads. And three, education. Uh, If we can concentrate on those three big items, they will benefit everyone. There's no discrimination as to how these funds would be spent. And bottom line, it would the city of St. Louis, and I hope it happens. And thanks for taking my call. Well, John, hey, don't don't run away because uh, you've raised some great ideas. In fact, I want to know, when are you running for the St. Louis City Council? <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I've thought about that, but, uh, you know, politicians make strange bedfellows, and I don't think I'd want to enter that forum. Well, I understand, but l- let's go back through some of these because I, I, I would be— this platform's greatest cheerleader because raising police and fire salaries, the the effect of that would be to bring more, to, to retain more current police officers and to improve the ability for the city to hire police and firefighters, wouldn't it? I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah, it, uh, it not would. That I'm biased, but my dad, my dad was a fireman and I can remember the, the night that they got the vote to have parity with the policemen, they were ecstatic. Mm. And I think that was under Mayor Cervantes, which he opposed, but I think it was under his administration. And, I mean, I look to police for safety. Uh, they're, they're trusted people. Um, hey, and, and in terms of education, you know, put additional security into these uh, schools so the teachers don't have to take so much abuse. Absolutely. And from what I hear, they're not getting a lot of they're not getting a lot of reinforcement from the administrative people. It's just like I heard stories where that prior president said, "Pass them, pass them, pass them. We got to get our uh, graduation rate rates up, mm-hmm. or we'll lose our funding." Well, that's just a perpetuation of a problem where kids are, yeah, they're graduating, but if they can't cut it in high school. What are their chances of going to college? You know, exactly. And the roads. I remember somebody was on uh, somebody was on KMOX, and uh, the commentator says, "Well, he he moved out of town," and he says, "What do you think is the biggest difference that you've seen since you've come back?" And he said, "The roads. Did we just let these fall apart?" Mm-hmm. He said, "They're an abomination." And, and I tell you, and- one intersection they really. It, 
Go ahead. No, I, I want to I echo your comments by pointing this out, John, and that is that infrastructure is not just for the convenience of commuters. Infrastructure allows for the influx of workers and because businesses need workers. And if the workers can't get into town to work, if the businesses, if the workers can't get from one part of town to the other because of either bad roads, no Metrolink, no whatever it might be, then infrastructure hurts business. And if businesses leave like they've been leaving over the past decade, then that simply perpetuates the downward slide of St. Louis City. Right. I agree with you, but can you blame the businesses? When you have drive-by shoot-ups in the Peabody Coal Building, I mean, what does it take? Exactly. How about when, God bless her, uh, Carolyn Kendall Betts and and her group of investors uh, opened up the stadium and brought the team here, but yet they had to uh, shore up bullet holes in the parking garage before their first game. I mean, it's unbelievable. So I'm glad crime is going down. Uh, Probably I'm thinking the new police chief has had some impact, too. But, I mean, it's got to turn around, and I think we're moving in the right direction. Like I say, I live in the city. I live in South St. Louis. I love it. I feel like a bird out of uh, uh, a fish out of water if I lived in the county. Everything is so much more convenient. And to your point, yes, we need good transportation, and not only for commuters, but also for safety of pedestrians and uh, and the jogging trails. It's all it's all terrific. Uh, I'm just wholeheartedly behind the city. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, John. I can tell that. And uh, thanks for supporting uh, the voice of the city of St. Louis, KMOX. You got that right, buddy. And you're a great <laughs> commentator. Uh, some of these afternoon people should take a lesson from you because, frankly, uh, they, they couldn't hold, well, you know what, uh, uh, commentators years ago. And I'm talking about Ann Keith. okay? Yep. I know I'm dating myself. But what's being said on the radio and your station, I mean, I think uh, uh, the longtime president would be rolling over in his grave with some of the language that's utilized. Well, but, you know, I'm an old fogey. So. That's okay. Hey, rest assured, because uh, coming up over the next month, I'll be I'll be sitting in on the show with uh, Chris and Amy quite a bit during the coming months. So, uh, so there you have it. Thank you, John. Great. Appreciate uh, you calling in, sir. Okay, Thank buddy. you. All right, take care. Bye bye. Thanks so much. Yeah, I, I I'm a cheerleader for the city. I love the city, and I want the city to succeed because what so many people in the county or in St. Charles don't understand is that the heart of this region is the city. And I don't care where you live. If you live within 100 miles of the city of St. Louis, you are directly impacted by what happens in the city. You are. Because if businesses choose not to come to this region because of the publication of crime, because of the reporting of crime statistics, you're the loser for that. If we have people fleeing and taxes have to to be increased because of the, of the withering tax base, both corporate and individual, you are going to be the, to the detriment of that. You're going, to be, you're going to lose because of that. And as the city goes, so goes the region. So from my perspective, if we want the region to improve, the focal point has to be on the city. And I'm thrilled that the city is taking steps 
to improve its situation. And I, I want to see that continue. Uh, that's why when one of the things I mentioned as being key, I think, to this decrease of crime is this epiphany from Mayor Tashara Jones regarding defunding the police. Unfortunately, our esteemed Congresswoman Cori Bush has not yet uh, has not yet visualized that epiphany because she still is echoing this same old tired, prejudicial line that the key to prosperity is to punish the police. And it's truly that that recipe that is directly analogous to trying to put out a fire with gasoline. It does the exact opposite of what you're trying to achieve. And so I, I will always be an outstanding critic of Cori Bush. Uh, that's why I was thrilled that Wesley Bell is going to be running against her. I will be supporting Wesley Bell. And in fact, I've already reached out to his campaign. We're going to have him here on a Wednesday night for a long form interview, hopefully in the near future. And because I, I, he is dedicated to controlling crime. And to me, that's one of the first steps. That's why I was thrilled with the replacement of Gabe by Gabe Gore of Kim Gardner. I welcomed the new city police chief, Stacy, and I welcome these efforts right now to bolster the police through private funding. Now, I know that this the the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, I don't agree with them very often, and here's one instance, again, where I don't agree with them. They wrote an entire editorial this week how this private financing, the private funding where corporations are stepping in to provide more funding to draw the type of police talent to the city that we need, they're against that. And I just don't understand why that is. That is that is not a problem. It's a part of the solution by improving the police in the city. And one of the main areas of criticism are there are areas, and I know I've got some friends of mine who live in neighborhoods in the city where they pay for private policing and they hire police officers off-duty to do private security. And the Post-Dispatch is against that as well. But And they say that's part of the problem, that we have to do this private funding. But, folks, it's the exact opposite. This hiring of uh, in neighborhoods where they have to hire off-duty police officers, that's not the problem. It's a symptom of the problem. In other words, there would be no need to hire off-duty police officers if the police force as a whole were doing a better job. So it's not a problem. It's a symptom of the problem. And I'm glad that, that those symptoms are, at least in some small degree, those symptoms are starting to get better. And I'm all in favor of it. What do you think? 314-436-7900. Call or text. I've got a lot of texts here. I'm going to be responding during the break. Love to hear from you. That's the beauty of AM Talk Radio that you don't hear anywhere else audience involvement. We're going to take a break. Don't go away. I'm going to go right to the phones here because we're talking about crime. We're talking about solutions. What works? What doesn't work? What would you like to see as we continue on with this slight Slight improvement, but listen, it's going in the right direction. 
What would you like to see happen? 314-436-7900. Rick has been holding through the break. Hey, Rick, welcome to KMOX. Thank you. Uh, appreciate the conversation. And I want to start by saying, you know, I'm an outsider from the city. I've never lived in the city. However, for four years, I have worked for a not-for-profit that all we do is we go into the worst, the absolute worst parts of North City, and we help remodel homes. Mm-hmm. Okay? So I have seen, shockingly, again, I'm a county guy. I grew up in U City, live in Webster now, but I've seen, it's just the crime, the trash. Nobody's, nobody's working, and there's no police. Again, I stick to this area of just North City. That's my primary work area. And I'm a white guy that goes into these neighborhoods. And what I've seen is, again, no police. There's trash everywhere, and nobody's working. So some solutions for this to me. Again, I only came in at the tail end of the last caller, who I thought was brilliant. Um, yes, I did too. Yeah, okay. So the, the trash thing is out of control. How much trash is everywhere? And it's almost like not only is the stuff not getting picked up, but the residents seem to not care. Because how's all this stuff getting all dumped out on front lawns? And you, have you ever been through North City and the worst parts and driven and see what's there? Uh, I have on, on many, many occasions. And you're exactly right. Have you ever heard, and, and I'm not disagreeing with you in any way, have you ever heard, Rick, of the, of the concept of broken window policing? No, I'm not familiar with that. Okay, so what is you, that? you feel free to Google it later. It's something that I learned in law school. It's been around for a while, but it's the idea that that broken windows, and of course, there, there's some simplistic here. There's some simplicity here in order to get across the theory, but it's the idea right. that broken windows are a visible sign of crime. That antisocial behavior and civil disorder can create a, a really an urban environment that encourages more crime, more disorder, yeah. more serious crimes. So this broken windows theory says that if you want to start combating crime, you have to start small. You start with the smaller things. And as people start to feel better about their community, they start then to to want to take an active role in keeping it safe. Yeah. The other thing that is a shocker to me is that, I, again, I go into these homes. I get to know these families over weeks of doing these projects. One of the things that really struck me is nobody's working. They're all living off the government. Yeah. And so where, where are the city leaders? And, again, I don't live in the city, so I come in here kind of ignorant. But where are the city leaders about these, these poor areas that are obviously have obviously been forgotten, mm-hmm. completely forgotten? And that's an absolute crime. Yeah, it is. No, no pun intended. You're exactly right. Have you ever heard of the idea of enterprise zones? I've heard that, yes, sir. Yeah, enterprise zones, and this is something I've been an advocate for for 30 years. Enterprise zones are when you go and let's say you pick an area like the city of St. Louis, and you say mm-hmm. to, to Acme Corporation, if you come here and put in your factory, put in your business here, uh, and, and put locals to work, we will give you an enormous tax break because it will benefit the community and it will incentivize businesses to move here. And yet what does the city do? The city does the exact opposite. The city says, if your business is here, we're going to tax you an extra 1% and we're not going to give you any tax breaks because we want your money. And to me, Rick, and I'm sure you can understand this because you're a smart guy, 
to me, that's a checker player mentality where you're only looking one move ahead instead of a chess player mentality where you're playing three to five moves ahead. Yeah, yeah. And and one more thing. I, I know you got plenty of other smarter people on your line waiting to talk, but um, gosh, the one thing also is nobody seems to respect the law in North City. And again, I'm only pointing out North City because I work in about a 10 by 10 block area primarily. And there's just, it's lawless. There's no police and people don't, the running of red lights. I tell all my crews now, no matter what light you go through, green, yellow, red, blue, purple, look every direction because people don't yep. stop. That's true. And and the number of T-bone accidents I have seen, it's probably one a week. Wow. And it's gone on for years. It's yeah. unbelievable. So anyway, that, I just wanted to, again, I heard the tail end of this. I work in the city. Man, have I seen some horrible things. And, and I know you said the crime is improving, or you talked a little bit about that, the potential of crime improving. God bless. I hope it does because it's needed really, really, really bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking right now, Rick, at the, at, the, at the FBI crime statistics that, were, that came out at the end of October. And it shows that, that St. Louis has experienced a better rate, a better decline uh, in crime than, than just about any other place in the country. Uh, and wow. and that's good for us. Now, Absolutely. one could say a lot of there's a lot of factors that go into that. What I'm looking for here tonight is how do we keep this this party bus going? You know, if if we're going yeah. in the right direction, what should we be doing to keep going in the right direction instead of sliding back into where we were just a few years ago? Yeah, I think you pointed out something about you mentioned a couple of political people that are coming on board for the future that may take the city in a new direction, that seems to be probably a priority because these past political leaders over, I'm 60 years old, I've been in St. Louis my whole life, whatever these politicians have done to St. Louis, they've destroyed it. Just, just That's my opinion. Yep. Who else can well, it be but the political leaders and what they're doing with all this tax money that we're giving them? That's, so. a, that's a great idea, Rick. In fact, just last week we talked about all this Rams money and what are we going to be yeah. doing with that Rams settlement money? And we came yeah. up with some great ideas a couple of weeks ago here on At Your Service. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I'm afraid that the, the city is just going to, um, shall I say, uh, fritter it away. Yeah, wasted. And the other yep. thing about Cori Bush, how did this woman get elected? I don't live in the city, so I don't know much about her, other than I see her on the news with the squad and the things that come out of her mouth. How did she get elected? Well, uh, she, she got elected in the same way that Kim Gardner got elected, by people who did not take the time to learn and understand what her positions were. And they simply voted for her because she was uh, seemed to be a candidate they would like. Instead of looking at their positions and saying, do I really agree with this person? I don't think a lot yeah. of voters do that, Rick, and that's very unfortunate. Yeah. Well, one hey. more thing, if I could add. Okay, uh, very quickly. to me. I, I, re- I refer to most people who watch the news as headline readers, and they just believe the headline and they go with that instead of becoming critical thinkers and do the real research before they just hit a name. And that's why I think we've, we've probably voted in so many poor politicians lately. Anyway, yep. thank you very Great. much for your time. Rick, appreciate you calling, sir. And thanks for listening to KMOX. Very welcome. Good day. Good day. So. Again, what do you think about this? 314-436-7900. And this brings up one more topic that I, I'd like to talk about here as we're sliding into the, to the end of the show. One of the things, and, and call me idealistic, 
But one of the things that that to me defines American exceptionalism, I've, I've talked about this once before, but the people confuse the term American exceptionalism. And people suggest, I've heard these criticisms over and over and over again, that if you believe in American exceptionalism, basically you're discriminating. You're saying that Americans are better than other people in the world and you are American-centric instead of being world-centric. And there's a lot of criticisms of that position. But those who criticize the idea of American exceptionalism do so because they don't understand what the term means. American exceptionalism doesn't mean that Americans are better than anyone else. It doesn't mean that at all. It means that America focuses on freedom much more than other countries. And because of freedom, we have the opportunity to excel in this country where people do not have that same opportunity practically anywhere else on the planet. That's American exceptionalism. It's the idea that, that, uh, that, that you can go from being, grow up in a, as, a, as a poor peanut farmer like Jimmy Carter to becoming president of the United States. That doesn't happen anywhere else in this world. It doesn't happen. But it happens here because of American exceptionalism, the opportunity of freedom, of capitalism, of creating corporations, of empowering people, of making change, of changing voters, protests, changing views, changing attitudes, changing paradigms. You try that in China, you get shot. You try that in America, you could become president. That's American exceptionalism. And as I go to the break here, there was a poll that came out that said that voters, the percentage of voters who believe in the American dream, this, this idea that working hard brings success, the idea that, that there's freedom available for you to achieve what you choose to achieve, that idea that people who believe that still exists has dramatically decreased over the past decade. I'm going to break down those numbers, but I'm also going to open the phone lines. If How would you define the American dream? What does that mean to you and does that inspire you? Or do you think the entire idea of the American dream is is false? It's a it's something invented by those in power to subjugate those who aren't in power. What are your thoughts? 314-436-7900. Don't go away. Born in the USA. Thank you, Matt. That's right. But not just born in the USA. We attract talent from all over the world. Why is that? China doesn't. You don't see people breaking their necks to move to China. Why is that? But people are breaking their necks to come to the United States. They cross rivers. They, 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 hire, they hire mules to bring people into this country. They want to come here. That's not happening in Venezuela, I'll tell you that. The only mules in Venezuela are those that are that are being eaten because they're, 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 the economic conditions there are terrible. But I personally believe the American dream is still alive and well. Unfortunately, the polling data doesn't doesn't support my opinion, which is fine. 
But here's the results of this poll. It came out last week, and 36% of Americans, and by the way, this is a Wall Street Journal, University of Chicago poll. It's not some stupid online poll. It's a real poll. 36% said that the once popular ethos holds true. That is, that 36% of Americans still believe in the American dream. Uh, But similar polls found that a majority of voters, uh, 53%, believed in the American dream in 2012. 46% believed in 2016. And right now it's only 36%. So if you look at it, in the last 10 years, in the last 11 years, those who believe in this idea of the American dream has gone from 53% of Americans down to 36% of Americans. And that really gets back to how you define what the American dream is. Because if the American dream is freedom, freedom to do what you want, freedom to to start your own business, freedom to go to school and get an education, all of those things are still here. If your definition of the American dream is I want a government that takes care of me from the cradle to the grave, that's increased also. And so for those who, and I would suspect that those who think the American dream is no longer viable might be those who are expecting the government to take care of them. But even in that context, it seems like they would be saying the American dream has been achieved. I mean, more Americans than any point in time in history, percentage-wise, were on the government dole during COVID. They were getting government handouts. They were getting checks from the government. We give tax breaks to people who don't pay taxes. That's where we are with regard to the American dream. And it would seem like those who have that viewpoint, that the American dream is a government that provides for everything I need, then they should be seeing those numbers go up, but it's not. But I always wonder that if the, if the folks who believe that the, uh, the, the American dream is a government that can provide you with everything you need, they don't realize that that also means that in order to do that, the government has to have the power to take everything you have. That's reality. I talked about this a little bit last week, that that sometimes when someone defines freedom as you taking care of me, then the increase of that type of freedom means a decrease in freedom for those who have to do the taking care of. And that's the question that, that I think a lot of folks who are saying the American dream is gone, is po- they're pondering that idea. So, I've got a lot of texts. It's hard to check the texts while the show is unfolding. Uh, one person just texted in and said, I got to start work now. Good show. Thank you. Get back to work. I'm talking about the American dream, which involves work. So, yeah, thanks for, get- thanks for getting started with your work. We appreciate that. But clearly these numbers are moving in the wrong direction. And I think it also shows, and these dropping numbers demonstrate this this concept of pessimism that's really moving across our country right now. We see 
in the news. It's all negative. If you watch Fox News, uh, the liberals are all evil. If you watch MSNBC, conservatives are all evil. If you watch any network, Trump is evil. I mean, there's there's division at every point. I'm not talking about dividing people. I'm talking about encouraging ideas. And to me, that is far more important than the people and the personalities who inhabit them. So I, I got a couple of texts tonight uh, wanting me to talk about specific people like George Santos and others. I, I don't get into that because, frankly, I don't care what George Santos does. Uh, he's, a, he's a liar, he's a thief, and he's a buffoon. Uh, but he's not advancing any ideas. He's not trying to change our country. He's not trying to make things better. So to me, there's nothing really there to talk about. I want to talk about why the ideas, what, where, and how. And so if you look at this same poll that I was going through, 50% of America says that they're worse off today than they were just a few years ago. And 50% said the economic and political systems. This is important. Hear this. 50% of Americans say that the economic and political systems are stacked against them. And that, to me, is troubling. Because the classic example is this. The classic example is if you take a student, if you take a minority student who grows up in an impoverished neighborhood, how does he have any opportunities? Well, if you look at universities today, universities will will give preferential treatment to those who come from that type of background. So there are opportunities to do that. Right now, if you look at the non-collegiate training centers, they are booming, and there could be more opportunities for someone who says, I don't want to go to college, but I want to be an auto mechanic. You know, right now you can you can be an auto mechanic and start at almost six figures. You you, you could start at a job making sixty seventy thousand dollars a year without a college degree if you're an auto mechanic. You don't have to go to college for that. There are so many opportunities to do that. There are opportunities to to learn trades. Uh, every single trade, whether it's whether it's carpentry, electricians, all of those trades are hiring and they pay very well. I know because I, I represent them many times. I know what these guys are making. And there are so many opportunities for that. So, so I would love to talk to somebody who says that the economic and political systems are stacked against them. And I'm sure that there are individual examples of that, but I'm looking at it from a macro standpoint. What In what way are the economic and political systems stacked against people today more so than they were a few years ago. And even if you want to bring up the idea of systemic racism, which I don't agree with that term. Systemic means it's solid from top to bottom, and I don't agree with that. There's always been discrimination. There always will be, but it's not systemic. But that aside, if, if we can agree that, that racism isn't as bad today as it was in the 50s when when African-Americans couldn't go to the same movie theater, couldn't drink from the same fountain, couldn't dine at the same diner. But they can today. It's gotten better. So how is it that the economic and political systems are more stacked against people today than they were 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago? I would love to talk to that person because I think just like someone mentioned earlier about those who vote for Cori Bush, they do so 
from a lack of understanding and a lack of education, of digging into what she believes in and what she wants to accomplish. And I think the same is true for those who don't believe in the American dream, because it is alive and well. The opportunities are limitless. Help wanted signs are everywhere. And the opportunities are here because of American exceptionalism, the idea of systemic, not systemic racism, but systemic freedom. Hey, coming up after uh, the break, we've got the best of Dave Glover. I will talk to you next week. Brad Young, Camo X.